Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1042 of the Juicebox podcast. Today, I'm talking to Abby. She's 27 years old, has had type 2 diabetes for 16 years, and has quite the story. Abby comes from a family that has problems, and she is a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. Her parents were married and divorced three separate times, and she has an estranged relationship with both of them. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you'd like to, you could go to CozyEarth.com. You could buy a bunch of stuff like sheets or towels or clothing, all very comfortable and high-end. And then you could use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout to save 40% off of your entire order. That's CozyEarth.com. Use the offer code JUICEBOX to save 40%. And if you want to start with AG1, you can with my link, drinkag1.com forward slash juice box. Using that link will get you five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D with your first order. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Get yourself a Dexcom G7 or Dexcom G6 right now, today, this minute, this instant. Maybe an hour from now when you're done listening to the podcast at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at GvokeGlucagon.com forward slash juice box. My name is Abby and I'm from Texas. Abby, you are on the show today because you have a wicked case of lumbago. No? No, I have type 2 diabetes. I've had type 2 since I was 15. I was diagnosed in 2011 or 2012. You woke me right up with that. How old are you now? (laughs) I'm 27. Snap, as the kids say, 15 Mm -hmm. years ago. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, 15. Is it in your family? Oh, yeah. Rampant. Really? Yeah. Size, shape. Both sides. Both sides. Both sides. And it's type two on both sides. We'll start here. Your mom has it? My mom and my dad. And your dad. Their parents? Uh, At least one of both of their parents. Siblings of your parents? Siblings on my dad's side. Nobody confirmed on my mom's side. Wow. Look how easily you can rattle this off. Do you have siblings? I have one brother. He does not have diabetes. We call him lucky. Okay. Yeah. Um, how about the dog? Uh, no dogs with diabetes. Cats? <laughs> nope. I asked because one time <laughs> I was talking to a person and their pets had diabetes too. And I was like, what is happening? I was like, get out of the house you live in. Uh, but, okay, wow. So is it fair to say that if we sat here and kept doing this, you could keep counting cousins, like that kind of thing? Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, can I ask your background? Um, yeah. So my family's Hispanic. Mm-hmm. My mom's side is Caucasian and Salvadorian. And then my dad's side is Mexican. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that played a huge factor. The Mexican side? 
Both. Both. Um, because my mom would cook very traditional like Hispanic food. Mm-hmm. And when I got diagnosed, she was primarily faulted for me having diabetes. By the physician? Yeah. Oh, at 15, like I'm looking at you today and you look mm-hmm. like a regular person, um, like yeah. like an average person is what I'm saying. Obviously, I mean, size wise, you're delightful and beautiful and all that stuff. But you look like an yeah. average size person. Mm-hmm. Was your mom or dad well overweight? So my mom got gestational diabetes with my brother and she was, I believe, around 300 pounds when she delivered him. Okay. And she's, I think, 5'1 or 5'2, so she was pretty big. Never really got past it, or did she lose the weight? So she lost some of the weight, and then I think, like, maybe three years later, she was diagnosed with type 2. Okay. Um, wow. Is your father shorter? No. he. Well, he's five, he was 5'7, five okay. and he, when he was younger, was pretty big, and then... When he was 27, I think, was when he was diagnosed, and he lost a bunch of weight just out of nowhere. Okay. So before he was diagnosed, the weight came off? Yeah. Probably from high blood sugars? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What kind of work mm-hmm. did he do? He was working in warehouses. He was moving. Doing, like, ma- manager kind of stuff. Yeah, but he was moving in a warm place, too? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't know why that mattered to me, but it did. It's fun to ask questions when you don't exactly know what you're talking about. It really <laughs> does, like, you know, it's like the thing that pops in your head. You're like, is this something? Um, wow. Oh, okay, so can I ask what you weighed at 15? I believe I was around 130 pounds. And you were how tall? I'm 4'10". Okay. I don't know I've how... I've been 4'10 I don't... since I was, like, 12. I never grew it's also a curse of um, some uh, Italian men shoot right <laughs> shoot right up to a height that, like, at, when you're young, you're like a giant around everybody, and then everybody grows past you, and you never get any taller. Yep. So I don't know another way to ask this, so I'm just going to come ask it the way that it occurs to me. That mm-hmm. 130 pounds, does it look right on your frame, or how did you feel about it? So, yeah, um, 120 to 130 is a very comfortable weight for me. I currently weigh 145 to 150. I fluctuate a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am a little chunky. Okay. <laughs> do you say that with love or do you want to lose some weight? <laughs> uh, I'm comfortable. Like, I, it's not a huge deal to me. But, yeah, I would like to lose some weight. Okay. I, I, the reason I ask is just because I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture in my head of you at 15 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, and so at 15 years old, you're like, I felt like I looked the way I wanted to look. Like my body composition was there. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. How did it, with hindsight? I mean, you're you're eight years older now. How did you eat when you were 15 and up until you were 15? Was it like, did you think of it as like a nutritious eating style or did you know? No, you, no, you knew. I knew. OK. All right. Um Go over it a little bit, like, like shut your eyes, make yourself 15 and like Monday night, what do we have for dinner? Oh, I can tell you. Yeah. So, um, we, my parents, they were divorced and married three times to each other. And so we went through, um, some times of poverty and there were a lot of nights that we would eat fideo, which is like 
noodles and sauce. It's a Mexican, mm-hmm. just like really cheap meal. Um, conchitas, which are just uh, like macaroni noodles mm-hmm. with meat and sauce, another Mexican meal. Uh, a lot of spaghetti, a lot of sandwiches, tuna sandwiches kind of stuff. My favorite snack, if I had money, because I've worked since I was 14, if I had money, was like gas station chips and an Arizona tea. You were living then. You, yeah. were, you were like, look at us. Big night. <laughs> yep. I don't know if I want the ruffles or the regular. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Stand there for 10 minutes going like, ooh. I was broke, by the way, Abby. I'm, so I'm commiserating with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, um, I, I would have... Uh, People have heard me talk about working at my uncle's sheet metal shop when I was a young person. And I would go to a 7-Eleven at lunch. And I only had a few dollars to spend. So I would buy like a 99-cent cinnamon roll, which was mostly sugar. Um, A drink of some sort that definitely had sugar in it. And then something else like whatever else the money could shake out like trying to get out of there for like three dollars was kind of the idea because i was only Mm going to make gosh this dates me more than anything else i i thought it was going to make me sound sad and broke but i think it just makes me sound old i was making four dollars and fifty cents an hour so you know eight hours oh 35 bucks taxes Mm -hmm. off why would they tax me, by the way? <laughs> Child labor. We need his $3, so the whole thing's going to fall apart. <laughs> um, so they take the 3 bucks off my day or so. I can only spend about $4 on lunch. Then I got to buy gas. I make like $27 that day, like for eight hours in a, wear, in a, in a sheet metal shop. It's just mm-hmm. insane. Like, see, there was never a thought of like, I'll buy something. Like, forget like knowing what healthy was. If I knew what it was, I couldn't have afforded it. Right. Like, that's kind of where I was. It sounds like... Oh, that's even a thing for me now. Yeah? Did it stick with you? Um, I have huge food insecurity. Okay. Like, with... I uh, I live with my partner and my brother. My brother works on the road as a welder. Mm-hmm. And my partner and I, we split groceries. And he, you know, will shell out whatever kind of money I need to go grocery shopping but I have such a problem feeling like there's just not enough food in the house. Yeah, We're going to run out of food. And so, um, and even with the food that we do buy, it's so expensive to eat healthy consistently. Mm-hmm. And so um, in our town, there's a place where you can go get produce once a week and, uh, or once every couple of weeks, I think. And, I go pick up produce because it's free. Yeah. And it's a ridiculous amount of produce, but I store it and I freeze it and I can it so that we have it. Good for you. That's great. Um, I was walking through, oh, gosh, I, I realized I was going to say something and then I realized it was going to be talking about the end of my mom's life, which I didn't mean to do, <laughs> Abby. Uh, but I was walking through a hospital the other day and mm-hmm. there was a table with brown bags on them and it just said, like free food, take one. And mm-hmm. I would walk in in the morning and the table was full. And when I left in the afternoon, it wasn't. And I was like, oh, wow. Like it really struck me. I was like, that's something. Like I thought, oh, that's nice. Maybe someone will walk by and need this. But that wasn't it. It was it was needed and, and absorbed every day. Um, mm-hmm. And I, um, 
I, I don't want to lie to you. Like I can afford to eat now, you know, um, but I still watch my wife and I. The last place we still look poor is at the grocery store. We still sometimes, like, if we don't stop ourselves, we, we shop, like, two rubes who found $200 on the ground. Like, does that make <laughs> sense mm-hmm. to you? It, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. All this resonates with me so much. Um, okay. So uh, she's like, people seem to like these. I'm like, do we want that? She's like, I don't know, but they're selling, and we can afford it. I'm like. <laughs> oh, and my brother, yeah, yeah. he is a brand whore. He, um. He, you know, it has to be Hidden Valley. It has to be Craft. It has to be the brand name. And I buy generic everything. Yeah. If it's generic, it's going in my basket. I think if we took your brother to Nobu, he'd be like, I don't want this garbage. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I tell him he got all the good genes, and that's why he's like that. That's something. So he's more, <laughs> uh, wow. Does it affect your palate? Like growing up like that, do you have like a taste for sugary or pasta like that kind of stuff bread do you lean that direction when you're eating oh yeah my my boyfriend makes fun of me because between like lunch and dinner or dinner in bed i'll tell him like i need a sweet Mm -hmm. just like it has to to go find something yeah a little treasure hunt (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right okay so when you're 15 you know let me just say this abby before we move forward you're shorter on time today or I would spend 20 solid minutes asking about your parents' three marriages and divorces to each other because I know somebody. Oh, they were nuts. I know somebody who did that, <laughs> and they were crazy. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like these like like whirlwind kind of romantic things, these horrible fights, and then I can't believe we're not together, and then it happens again, and then you're like, oh, and then they do it again. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what it's like. It's like watching an animal step in a trap, getting out of it finally, and running right back over and, like, stepping exactly. on it again. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That's exactly how it went. And by the time I was in high school and they divorced the last time, I was just like, I'm done with both of you. <laughs> <laughs> do you have, I hate to ask this, like a like a parental respect for them, or did you lose that? When you have diabetes and use insulin, low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. Gvoke Hypopen is a ready-to-use glucagon option that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. shouldn't be used in patients with pheochromocytoma or insulinoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. Now let's talk about the Dexcom G7. The Dexcom G7 is a small and wearable continuous glucose monitoring system. It sends real-time glucose readings to your Dexcom G7 app or the Dexcom receiver. Use my link, dexcom.com forward slash juice box to learn more and get started today. You will be able to effortlessly see your glucose levels and where they're headed. This way you'll be able to make better decisions about food, insulin, and activity. Once you're able to see the impact that those variables have on blood sugar, you'll begin to make more purposeful decisions and have better outcomes. My daughter has been wearing a Dexcom product for so many years, I don't even remember when she started. But today she wears the Dexcom G7 and it is small and easy and oh my goodness, are you going to love it. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. 
You can head there now and click on the button that will get you your free benefits check, or just hit that other button that says get started. When you use my links, you're supporting the production of the podcast. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Um, so I've lost it for a while mm-hmm. for both of them. I actually had, they know this, but I had genuine hate for both of them. Um, for the way that we'd grown up and the way that things had turned out, I I didn't want anything to do with my family in general. And my mom and I have worked really, really hard on our relationship. We're in a really good place now. That's good. Um, a lot of what transpired in our relationship had a lot to do with my addictions. I was, I've, I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict okay. and I'm in recovery. I am right about to be about to be 16 months sober. Oh, good for you. Congratulations. That's Thank excellent. You. All right. But we've done uh, family therapy and just worked on a lot of things. So her and I are in a really good place. My dad actually passed when I was 20 years old. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, so we didn't ever get to that place. Um, I did what I could for him when mm-hmm. he was sick, but we just, it was never. That's hard. I, I That happened to me too. So you're not in a, a healthy relationship with a parent as they're dying, but you're not mm-hmm. going to ignore their health. But you're in a room. It feels like you're helping a stranger almost, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's something. Uh, it, how did your dad pass? So he passed from complications of diabetes and alcoholism. How old was he? He was 46 oh, or 47, I Jesus, think. I don't know your dad or you, and that almost made me cry. Oh, oh God. I'm sorry. That's because my mom just died. Sorry. I, I'm not laughing. I'm still... I'm surprised at the things that are making me sad over the last couple of weeks. And they come out of weird places. Like, I did not connect my mom to your statement. It was just that when you said it, my eyes filled up. When I got in the car the other day, uh, Mm -hmm. Arden wanted to go pick up groceries, oddly. She got in her head to bake something. She's like, I'm going to make shortbread cookies. We're like, okay. And uh, she's like, but I got to go to the store. Come with me, she says. And I'm like, yeah, 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 which I now realize is code for come pay for the groceries. I never like I followed that before. Uh, but we get in the car <laughs> and um, she's driving and she says to me, which grocery store should I go to? Because we're sort of in the middle of like two of them. You could kind of make a left and go to one or a right and go to the other one. And what she was really asking is which one is closer. Mm-hmm. I start crying. What grocery store should we go to? My eyes burst open. Water falls out of them. I'm upset, and I don't know why right away. Then Mm -hmm. it hits me. I call my mom every time I get in the store and go shopping. Like, And because I'm like, I work in the house, like, you know, if we need a thing for tonight, I'll be like, oh, I'll run to the grocery store. I drive back and forth to the grocery store three or four times a week. You also all know me pretty well. Like, I could probably go fewer times if I took a list, but eh, ruins the fun. I, I'm now crying, and she goes, what's wrong? Like, she knows my mom passed away, like, two days before that, but she's still like, where did this even come from? And I had to sit there for a minute to figure it out. Like, I pulled myself together very quickly, and then I was like, why am I crying? Why? And I makes me sound unstable, by the way. Um, and I'm like, why am I crying? Why am I crying? And I'm like, oh, it's the, I, I would I would have gotten in this car and 
first thing I would have done was call my mom. And then we would have chatted. I might have put my earbuds in and kept talking to her when I was in the grocery store and then come home because I'm always working. And mm-hmm. it was it was always a good free time to call her. Anyway, I'm sorry for your loss. That's terrible. I do want to pick through a couple things quickly, though. Complications of type 2 diabetes? Yes. What did it, like, what was it on paper? What got him? Heart? I don't know. So, really, they didn't clarify. It was a bunch of things that had kind of spiraled. He first had MRSA and then had gangrene in one of his toes. And they had to amputate the toe. And he decided he did not want to go through physical therapy. And he quit walking. Just gave up. Oh, your dad gave up at 46 years old. Yeah. What was his drink of choice? Um, Mostly beer. Okay. And when did you start drinking? I started drinking, I had my first drink when I was like 11 or 12 years old. Through your parents or other means? No. No, not through your parents. Um, What drugs did you start with? I started with marijuana when I was 11. My drinking didn't get really serious until I was 16. Mm -hmm. And um, I tried cocaine while I was in high school. It wasn't really for me. Um, and then when I was in my twenties, it just, my drinking was at its all time peak and I was hooked on cocaine. Wow. So you didn't like the Coke, but you liked what it did. Or were yeah, you, so, or were you balancing well, was, against the drinking? I was balancing against drinking. Okay. Yeah. So I've had this explained to me before. Make sure I have it right. You drink, you get so drunk. You start to shut off. The Coke wakes you back up so you can drink more. That's how it's supposed to work. Okay. How'd it work for you? Um, I would usually uh, get so drunk that the cocaine wouldn't do anything and I would just be wide awake drunk. Oh. Oh, so you didn't get the you didn't get the zoom, but you're now awake. Yeah. Oh. Is that a really strange feeling? People say that the cocaine is supposed to sober you up, mm-hmm. and it never really sobered me up. It just, yeah, it just gave me the high. But um, the wide awake drunk, it started affecting my life because I, I would go home and I would go lay in bed and I would just lay there until I had to get up the next day. Oh my god! Just staring because I couldn't ceiling. sleep. <sighs> And then you, I would so just now you're awake the back for like, of my eyelids. You're awake for like 48 hours in a row kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, geez. That'll make you crazy too. Uh, oh, yeah. Tell people because I don't think people believe it. Cocaine everywhere, right? It's everywhere. Oh, absolutely. Okay. It's so accessible. I hardly ever paid for cocaine because it was just there. Wow. People will just hand it out to you. Mm, isn't that funny? No gatekeeper. Uh, nope. <laughs> in other in other walks of life, that's a lovely thing. Not here. Uh, what happens? Well, I guess let me first ask. While you're drinking and everything, you know what? I'm sorry. How the hell do you start drinking when you're 11? Uh, my parents had alcohol in the house, and I had friends that would sneak it with me. Okay. And so, I did the water refill to keep it at the so, line that they had it at. So nobody knew. Yeah. Interesting. Your mom drank too? Uh, no, not really. Interesting. Okay. My mom's never been a big drinker. So you started with just the like kid play stuff, like 
people would come over and be like, hey, we could drink some of that and then we'll refill the thing and it'll be fun. But then you start, you escape with it. I mean, you did paint a picture. It would have been fun to make fun of your parents for being kooky, but you weren't in like a super stable situation either. Um, So when I was 16, my parents started letting me drink with them. Hey, on special occasions or every day? Yeah, special occasions. I don't know why. Parties and weddings. I don't know why it made made like it mattered to me. Did they look at you? Was it like when I got my driver's license? I started driving when I was 13. So when I took my driver's test when I was 16, all I remember the guy saying as I exited the course and parked uh, and waited for him to tell me if I got my license or not, he goes, feels like you've been driving for years. And I went, huh, did your parents not notice that you were like hanging and like it wasn't hitting you the same way or it's just part of life? Both of my parents were, so I, what I like to explain about my parents is that they were so wrapped up in each other Okay. that we had everything we needed and most of what we wanted. We were just, Alone. Kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, we had each other, mm. my brother and I, but um, emotionally, my parents were just not available to us then. Wow. Okay. All right. I appreciate you going through all this with me. I really do. Because somehow to me, it paints a larger picture. Um, mm-hmm. What are you doing for your type two at 15? What do they say to you? Like, they t- do you get the like, you got to go for a walk? Or is it metformin? Or what are they? They put me on metformin. They gave me a meter. Um, they give me the Calorie King book. I don't remember what it was called, but it's that book where it's got all the calories from all the fast food places. It's like compact. I, I know it. Yes. <laughs> I think I just got rid of it actually recently. Um, and then they, yeah, talk about some nutrition stuff and. That's really it. At 15, you're not being parented well. And now you're in a doctor's office being told this. Do you have that like, oh, I got the sugars like everybody else feeling? Or are you like, oh, I can fix this or beat this? Or like, what's your like marching orders when you leave there? No, I kind of just left and was like, it's whatever. Wow. So I'm just going to pop this pill in my mouth and not sometimes if i feel like it yeah but not always and you're not making yeah. an adjustments it's still arizona tea and chips if you've got a couple of bucks yep i got you mom doesn't say hey we'll stop making pasta every day not right. n- nothing like that you just keep going do you right. know do you know uh what your a1c's were i believe i don't know what they were back then but it wasn't until my dad passed when i was 20 that I was like, I really need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I uh, was living with a boyfriend at the time, and I took my blood sugar one morning, and it was almost 600. Wow. And wow. I thought, do I need to go to the hospital? Like, what do I do about this? I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to do. And I called my mom and I said, what do I do? And she said, do you feel okay? And I said, yeah, but I'm pretty sure my sugar's probably been like this for a while. And she said, then you need to schedule an appointment with an endocrinologist and get it under control, but don't go to the hospital. So she knew enough to tell you to go to a doctor at the very least. Do you do the math? Do you go 46 Minus 26 equals I got 20 more years when you test your blood sugar that day. Like what kicks you into gear? 
like your dad's passing, like something got you to go rut row. So do you know what it was? Yeah, I think it was something in my grief was just like pushing me. So like how you talked about just like little things that you don't recognize or little things that you're not sure why they set you off. Mm -hmm. That's how my grief was at the time. And I didn't know why things were happening the way that they were happening or why I was acting the way that I was acting. Um, and I want to tell you, I'm also sorry for your loss and mm, thank you. you're, you don't have to apologize for anything because I understand. You're going to try to make me cry. Abby. you can just, it, <laughs> it's going to be pretty easy to do. It's only been a week. And I'll, I'll tell you so far, one of the blessings in the last week, and that's not a word I throw around lately is um, making the podcast because Generally speaking, for an hour or so every day, I just like I get to go away in my head and just have like a very kind of intimate conversation with somebody. And my mom does not come up usually. And so it's been, believe it or not, uh, I don't know that it might be you, people may be able to figure it out, but there'll be an episode that will have gone up months before this one does, mm -hmm. maybe not months where you'll. If you listen hard enough, I'm recording that episode because I know my mom's dying that day and I am just trying to like be somewhere else in my head. So I did not cancel my recording the day my mom was in hospice and my poor brother was pumping morphine into her trying to help her. So um, I did the yeah. same thing. I went to work um, the day that I knew my dad was going to die and I actually was his next of kin mm -hmm. because my parents were separated and, uh, or they were divorced and Hey, if they just would have given like, him more time, they would have got back together. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, he was on a ventilator and they told me that I had to decide if he was going to stay on or if we were going to turn the ventilator off. But he, I had already known that he was gone and, um, they told me he was brain dead. And so they had put uh, cooling blankets on his body. And then what they were trying to warm him back up and it just nothing was working. Mm -hmm. So um, that Tuesday, I decided we were going to just stop. Let everybody say their goodbyes and turn off the ventilator. So I went to work that morning and I said, I need to leave by noon and go to the hospital. And I did. I went to work. And just acted like it was a normal day. Yeah. I thanked the woman at the end of the episode. I was like, you really helped me today. I was like, mm -hmm. we had some, I don't know, conversation about something that I'm not going to remember till I listen back to it. And all I'm trying to do is like keep my mind off of what's happening. So yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know how weird that'll sound in retrospect. Hopefully I pulled it off. I think so. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, the uh, something in my grief was just, messing with me about my own health and um my brother was 16 at the time he had no health issues so I wasn't worried about him my mom you know her own diabetes was her own responsibility and so I took my sugar that morning realized we have a problem mm -hmm. my parents they were both diagnosed in their late 20s I was diagnosed oh. 10 years earlier than them yeah. So, yeah, it's gone through my head a lot how long I have. And my partner and I have a lot of conversations about what happens yeah. when I go because I my life expectancy is much shorter than his. Do you think that or do you think there are things you could do like that would 
give you like normalcy. Like I see you wearing a CGM, right? Like, mm-hmm. is that what I see on your arm? Okay. Yeah, I wear a Dexcom. All right. Oh, cool. And you know how to eat now. Can you afford to eat better now? Not yet. Better, yes. Right, but not all the way. Not all the way. Right. You have health care. That's mm-hmm. excellent. What Are you taking any medications? Yeah, so I'm still on metformin, and then I take Chujeo. Okay. And I was taking Ozempic. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a funny story about this. Um, I was having stomach problems for nine months and it was debilitating. Mm. I was, I mean, glued to the toilet at sometimes, and my stomach hurt so bad that I couldn't get out of bed. Or if I did go to work, I would be right back in bed after work. Um, couldn't get household stuff done. It was ridiculous. And I went to my primary three different times and they said, we can't do anything for you. It's a bacterial infection. And they gave me antibiotics and told me to take them if it didn't get better, but like no clear instructions. Mm -hmm. And then I got with the gastro. I had to call for almost two months to get an, an appointment with the gastro. And then when I went to go see the gastro, they I was really scared that this was colon cancer okay, uh, or gastroparesis. And when I went, they said it's likely a mix of gastroparesis in part of your bowels and then severe IBS in the other part of your bowels. Did none of this exist for you earlier? No. But it, was, was it just the Ozempic? So while I stopped taking, they told me at that that appointment, they said, well, your Ozempic causes these symptoms mm-hmm. and your metformin causes these symptoms. I said, I've been on metformin for 10 years. I've been on Ozempic for three years. Oh. I've been on these medications for years and these symptoms have been present for months. There's okay. no way. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And the Ozempic, everybody, you know, there's that hype about Ozempic and weight loss and insulin resistance. And I do, you know, it helps with some of that for me, but it's not a huge, I don't see a huge difference okay. in my, my personal body. I called um, and told my medical team that I was going to stop taking it because I needed the doctor to believe me. Mm-hmm. And so I stopped taking the Ozempic and the symptoms didn't go away. And they tested me for a bunch of different stuff. I ended up having SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Interesting. And I'm still pushing to have a follow-up done for testing um, with a colonoscopy and an endoscopy to find out if there is anything with to validate if there's gastroparesis or IBS. Is your food digesting slowly? So that because there's symptoms of slow digestion and accelerated digestion, mm-hmm. it, you know, it alternates on the days or like the times when I eat, they're anticipating that it could be both. What do your blood sugars look like? Right now? Not great. Okay. I did not wear a Dexcom for about 10 days. And my current blood, my current blood sugar is 245. And did you, have you eaten today? It's like, uh, you're in a different time zone. It's about 10 o'clock in the morning for it's you? It's 10, 15 right now, okay. yeah. 
Um, um, I have not eaten. No, that's my fasting. That, you, okay. All right. So you're on metformin. Your fasting blood sugar is 250. You're wearing a CGM. You have overgrowth in your intestines, which is probably from the higher blood sugars. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just have slow digestion. Maybe it doesn't have to be gastroparesis. Okay. But I haven't always had these high blood sugars. So for a long time, especially um, this is like just currently, mm-hmm. my last A1C was 6.1. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe it's an under health, underlying health issue that's pushing your blood sugar up. You get an exercise? Oh, no. I don't work out. No? I mean, you go for a walk? Uh, I walk the dog, but I don't go for extended periods of time. I live in Texas, and it's like 110 right I've now. I've heard so. we're setting new records in Texas the other day. Yeah. Also. I will not be going outside. <laughs> let me say this, too, just for time stamping. It's June 30th today, and Canada, the f- smoke is back. I don't know what you people are doing, <laughs> but it can't be that. You have all that snow, melt it, and put out the fire. Please help me. That's all. Now mm-hmm. I cursed because of Canada. Let me write that down. It cannot possibly take this long to put out a fire, Canada. This is this is it doesn't look good for you. I'm outside. No. I'm outside again today. Like headaches, smoke floating through the air. It, it feels like somebody twenty feet from me put out a uh, a garbage fire with a bucket of water, and the smoke is just sitting around my house. And I live in New Jersey, so come on, Canada, please. It's, kill, yeah. it's killing me. Uh, but you guys are um, working on your own hellscape down there. With the heat. Yeah. Mm. So no outsidey. You live in an apartment? Yeah. Okay. Isn't that interesting how these little things, these little things you wouldn't even think of, uh, social, economic, uh, the way you grow up, like all that stuff, like kind of pushes you in a direction. You don't even know it. Like you, you know what I mean? You end up living a life that is more of a, uh, the making of your influences and less of the making of your desires. It's, it's, oh, uh, yeah. 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 It's terrible. With, um, I will tell you, I was doing a wellness program for a while and I was using my apartment gym and I had to stop because with the, so I only got the SIBO resolved, uh, about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I went on antibiotics and, it cleared up and things are great and I can move around and I can Good. live my life. But um, right when that was going on, I was not eating. I, um, if I could eat, it was like very bland, um, like minimal foods. Mm-hmm. And I had been put at one point on an elimination diet to see what foods were triggering these fits. Yeah. And then after that was eating FODMAP, low mm. FODMAP foods. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and in that time period, it was probably a span of two months and my blood sugar was going low. Oh, really? Yeah. On those diets. So you can mm-hmm. diet your way out of these blood sugars mm-hmm. if you eat cardboard. Yeah. 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 That's, that's what I think when I hear FODMAP, <laughs> low FODMAP diet. Um well, here's a question from just an outsider's perspective. If the SIBO mm-hmm. is gone, why don't you go back on the Ozempic? 
So now I am uh, going back on the Ozempic, but I have, so I was originally on a two milligram. Mm -hmm. We got to ramp to it. Prescription. Yeah. I have to start slowly because I'm, I'll throw up on them. Yeah. No, you, (laughs) it's a, do they do 0.25.51? I think I started out at 0.5. 0.5, then one, then two. Then one, then two. Okay. So, and you have to do four weeks of each, right? Yes. Okay. So you're getting back because maybe that's just why your blood sugars are higher because you're not getting the help from the Ozempic. The Ozempic, right? Yeah. But you don't lose weight. So this is interesting. Abby, you listen to this podcast, right? Yes. Basically, I use Ozempic. Mine's called Wegovi. I keep my mm-hmm. pen. I keep all my pens here to remind me that uh, I shouldn't be eating a bunch of food. That's not good for me. Uh, and um, so I'm up to 1.7. I've done two injections of 1.7. I have mm-hmm. noticed something. I'm at the point now where I think I could overeat if I wanted to. Like if I made the conscious decision to do that, I almost, I'm starting to think of it like when you heard about people getting like um, gastric sleeves and you, then you hear sometimes like they figure, like sometimes people get gastric sleeves and figure out a way they'll like liquefy their sugar or something like that. Like they like to, you know, get around this. I mean, you went all that trouble, but I, you know, like, so, and I'm starting to get that feeling like we go V, I don't have hunger. Like I don't get hungry. Um, mm-hmm. My brain never tells me I'm hungry. And I very infrequently get any rumbling in my stomach. That's like, oh, I can't believe I haven't eaten. Like, I don't know. It's magical when it comes to that stuff. And in the first few months, if I ate too much, I'd get like, 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 oh, I should not eat that much. Um, but I have noticed, like, there are some foods I can eat more of than others. Like, I could willfully eat around the Wegovy if I wanted to, and I wouldn't lose weight. But I am laser focused on doing this correctly. Like, you see me, I'm, I'm wearing a sweatshirt today that doesn't fit me, but it used mm-hmm. to. And, like, I'm almost wearing it to, like, remind myself of, like, yo, used to fill up the sweatshirt, man. So keep going, you know? Do, yeah. Do you have that with Ozempic? Have you learned how to eat around it? I don't think I eat around it. I think with the Zimpic, I do have the the repressed appetite, mm-hmm. um, but I don't eat a lot in general. Okay. All right. So that's not your, it's the kind of foods that are available to you that are the bigger issue. Yeah. And how much, like, I mean, you said it earlier, but it, it's cultural, right? Mm-hmm. And then- are you, is that, it's difficult to get away from. Like you said, you're dating somebody. Is he of like a similar background as you? Oh, no. Okay. What'd you do? Did you get, what'd, what'd you pull? He's a white man. What kind of guy did you get? There you go. <laughs> so your, your little Caucasian boyfriend, is he, dra- yeah. is he dragging you in another direction? Like with food? Um, or is he not, not a good really. eater either? He, no. So. He tries to be, um, he's a power lifter. Okay. And so he tries to be, but he eats so much more than I do. Mm, Okay. And so the types of meals that we make, like he needs carb. I'm trying to stay away from a bunch of carb. Mm -hmm. He needs very, like a lot of protein. And like, we have to divvy up like what we're eating. And the house that I grew up in, I could cook for, you know, 10 people because my mom did that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I've learned how to cook for one person. Good. Now I'm cooking for two people. He's learning how to cook for both of us. I think we're just at a learning curve of what how to meet both of our needs in 
like a sustainable way. Yeah. It was interesting when my son graduated from college and then he decided not to go to grad school and play more baseball. Um, he got a job and he moved away and he's teaching himself how to feed himself. And uh, he says to me one day, he goes, I don't, I don't need all this size anymore. And he's like, it's weird, but I don't need to weigh this much. Like I'm not trying to hit a baseball 400 feet anymore. Like I could, like I could lose weight. And he did like he lost, he dropped 10 pounds um, just by, I don't think people realize like in the, the situation for your, for your boyfriend and eating to gain mass, like it's a lot of food. He's like, it's so much better. He's like that. I was eating food. Like I didn't even want it. I just like, you know, I'm working out so hard and I'm playing so much and you're just forcing yourself to eat, to keep your size up. And he went from, I think he was like 201. He's down to 190. And he's like six, and he's like six feet tall. But it, it was my point of bringing it up was it was interesting to watch him go, I don't even need all this food. Like, but he had been doing it for so long that it was just like, you know, get up in the morning, eggs, rice, um, you know, put bread on it, do this, like, give me more of something. Like he was so active, like he couldn't be in bad yes. shape. It's, you know, health wise, I don't know if it's still great for you or not, but he couldn't take in enough calories, basically. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Has your boyfriend ever, like, deadlifted you? He's never deadlifted me. He does pick me up, but never deadlifted. That's all, That's all I could think <laughs> when you said he was a power lifter and that you're four, and you're four feet 11. Is that right? 4'10". Four 4'10". Ten. Four ten. Not even 4'11". Yeah. <laughs> and he's 6'4". Oh, that's what I was hoping. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, right when, like, the egg like problem was going on with inflation. Yeah. He uh, was putting eggs on our grocery list and said, I need six eggs every morning for this meal and this protein. And I said, no. Yeah. You're dating the wrong girl for that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, you don't get eggs. <laughs> no, so no eggs. we were buying egg whites, the <laughs> liquid ones. Yeah. Tell the chickens to make cheaper eggs and then you can absolutely have them again. Yep. So your management is a little up in the air right now because your health. I'm glad that the SIBO is cleared up for you. Do you do things yes. like probiotics to try to keep your gut bacteria in a better direction? So I was directed not to okay. while all of this was going on. Because of the overgrowth. Right. What do they have you doing now that they think it's cleared up? Um, This doctor's office is not very communicative. <laughs> so I have an advocate nurse and we're going to figure out what we're going to do. Was it not until your father's passing that you understood the impact of type 2 diabetes? Or did you know and you didn't pay Health attention? in general. In general. Mm -hmm. You just thought, like, I'm going to live forever because I'm young and this is life yeah. and that's how it works. Yeah, and that's something. You never thought about the drinking or the drugs having a poor effect on you? I knew they weren't good for me, but I didn't think that they would really be a big deal. I just thought, you know, it was everybody does it because that's who I was hanging around. Did you start paying attention to your diabetes or your sobriety first? Or did they happen at the same time? My diabetes. Okay. So you're like, well, I'm But gonna... being a drunk diabetic, you don't take your medicine. So I love the idea of you're like, I'm going to go get some of those good vegetables and can them. Who's got the Coke? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah. imagining there was a day in your life that you went vegetable shopping and got high on the same day. And like, oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm doing better. I'm being healthy. I'm, I'm having a salad. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, what is wrong with people? Not you, us in general. <laughs> what is wrong? Yeah. Uh, what's been going yeah. on, Abby? Oh, I'm on a health kick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. I just, I see you over a coffee table explaining to people how you're getting your life together with your type two. And it's just, it's really, I'm not, I, I am laughing because it's ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what makes you go, I should not drink or get high anymore? I wrecked my car and almost killed myself. And that'll get you. If you're lucky. I've heard people have done that and been like, God, oh, yeah. God wants me to be alive. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. No, um, I... I don't even remember this night. I went to a bar and I was with people that I'd been hanging around for months and got into it with a guy that I'd been talking to, um, got really upset. The bartender had lost my card. And so she'd been serving me free drinks all night. Mm. Mm. And I was ordering doubles at this point. Uh, If they're free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the last thing I remember is like, storming out of this bar apparently some people had tried to get me to get into an uber and i screamed at them stumbled to my car got in my car and drove off Hmm. when i woke up the next morning so this was march 4th of last year i woke up the next morning and i didn't know how i'd gotten in my bed i was still in the clothes from the same night the night before yeah and my front door was unlocked And I went to go look for my car, but I couldn't find it. And so I tracked it on my phone with my Bluetooth. And it was double parked, like diagonal, in my apartment complex. And one of the, the the axle in the front was broken in half. And one of the wheels was kind of angled like a Lightning McQueen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. (laughs) And then the tire on that wheel had a big, huge bubble in it. Can I say I'm super impressed you got it back to your apartment? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Because <laughs> I don't know what I hit or where I hit it, but I didn't get arrested. As far as I know, I didn't hurt anyone else. Didn't see any blood uh, anywhere? No. Good for you. Uh, I didn't hurt myself. Yeah. And um, I called into work that morning. Obviously, because I couldn't get there. Um, Hi, I don't feel so, well. It's just it's probably a head cold. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> I told my boss that I was having car trouble. You were. I wasn't lying. It's not a lie at all. It's, it's absolutely that's that's the most honest thing you probably said that day. I'm having car trouble. <laughs> I'm also having and, cocaine trouble and alcohol yeah. trouble. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so do you just sit and, there all day and think like, oh God, I got to fix this? No, so I came upstairs, my brother and I lived here, and um, I told my brother, I need you to come look at my car. And my family knew the kind of things I was doing and had already been on my ass about it. Mm -hmm. And I came and got my brother. I told him what I had found, and I needed him to look at it. And he just ripped me a new one. Yeah. Well, if you can't afford food, you can't afford a car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I actually ended up selling that car to a mechanic, and that helped me get another one. Oh, wow. For parts? Yeah. Uh, no, he actually fixed it. Get the hell. He fixed it, and somebody drives it around my town. I see it all the time. Aren't people amazing? That's wonderful. <laughs> I got to tell you, 
you described the car to me that I would have gone, yeah, we should take that to a junkyard. That thing's done. But um, <laughs> somebody knows how to fix that. That's pretty cool. And That and- car was so just wouldn't die. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently you're not going to either. You seem like you might have nine lives going. Yeah. Is it a great reminder to see the car bang around town? Like, no, yeah. yeah, I think it might be like almost like a little guardian angel that once in a while rolls by and goes, don't forget not to use cocaine. And you're like, mm-hmm. no problem. I won't. Thank you. Um, yeah. I know that's interesting. So what do you got to do? You got to go to AA? You got to go like. So I actually uh, called my my mental health physicians had been telling me that I needed to get clean. And then I said, nope, I'm not going to. And. I called my psychiatrist and I said, Hey, I'm, I need to get clean, but I'm not going to go to rehab. I don't have time or money to do that. So what's my next option? And she put me on naltrexone. And so I took naltrexone and I detoxed at home by myself. Oh, tell me about that. I didn't think I was going to go through withdrawals. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. And, um, cause I didn't think I was an alcoholic right. or an addict. I thought, you know, I do a little coke here and there and, I drink, but I don't drink like an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And um, when I stopped, I had my friends come and get all the alcohol out of my house. And I started taking the naltrexone and I would go to work and I would have to walk out of my office because I would start shaking so bad. And then at home at night is when it got really bad. I would toss and turn in my sleep. I would get cold sweats. My bed would be soaked. Hmm. It was awful. How long did it go on for? I think my detox was probably right around two weeks. Wow. If I said to you right now, top of your head, the most important thing people have is, what would you say? Their life. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's oh, great. Excellent. My son called me. He had only been out for a couple of months, and we were having this conversation about what's important. And he's like, Dad, stick up for me here. This is what's important. And I said, Cole, it's just health. I was like, it's health. Health is the only thing. And it it relates to everything. Your health could be that it's 110 degrees outside and you can't go outside and go for a walk. Your health could be, you know, how you eat, how you, you know, feel in your mind. In the end, it's all health. Like, it's so easy to say, oh, yeah, sure. That's, you know, trite. And anybody can say that. But, I mean, my experience in my life, tells me that if you don't have your health, you don't have anything, and your whole life is then focused on slowing this decline that is happening faster than it should be. And Mm -hmm. that's about being alive. So, um, well, you learned it early. That's great. Now what do we got to do? Do you need insulin? I take insulin, yeah. The TGO is insulin. Yeah, but I mean like meal insulin. No, no, no. I know you're taking a background, but you said you've gotten low before, too. So the basil's enough for you, mostly. Mm-hmm. Okay. How much do you take? Uh, typically 20 units. If uh, So that's like my standard. And then if I am riding high like I am right now, I can go up to 40. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I'm having lows or where I need to be, then I'll kind of talk to my doctor in the portal about adjusting. Do you see a lot of spikes or is it just, do you just ride higher? So no, not typically. My, I would say my average blood sugar, my average fasting is 
probably like 110, 120. Okay. And then like my average day, like daily, like during the day is uh, between 150 and 170. Okay. But like on a day like today when you're at 250, there's no fast acting insulin. They gave you like if you have to get it down, like that kind of thing. Would you even no, be comfortable? that's all on me. Yeah. Would you even be comfortable doing that? Probably. Yeah. I think so. Okay. A lot of pump companies are coming out with type 2 pumps now that they're and I'm I've been offered a pump. Yeah. From my endo, yeah. What was your thought about it? I'm just not ready. Okay. Okay. Um so what is your plan? I mean, you've now you've proven to me that you can do a hard thing. You've done a number, I mean, your whole story is you doing hard things. So what's the hard thing you need to do for the diabetes? Because I want to say this, Abby, I don't think you're damned to dying early. Like, I don't think that's your, I don't think that's true. So like, what are the hard things you need to do that would get you to a better place? I think the hard thing for me with my diabetes, I know that, so I have a fatty liver Mm -hmm. and with the extra weight that I carry on my body, I know that if I lost that weight, things would be easier. Yeah. But like when we were talking about earlier, the extra 15, 20 pounds that I carry, I I am very comfortable with that weight mm-hmm. because the weight that I carry now has taken me through hard things. So I'm attached to this body. God, I'm going to cry. If I'm attached cry, to this if body. If you cry, I'm going to cry, Abby. Just let's be clear about that. <laughs> And like my stomach, just in general, like it's a comfort for me to like be able to touch my stomach That's or hold my stomach. What, do you know and why? So it's hard. Do you know what happens? Like how it is like a teddy bear or like. Oh. I don't know. It's like, um, I don't know why it is, but like I'll, yeah, I'll, I will hold my own stomach or like lift up my shirt if I'm home mm-hmm. and just like let it be there. And I know that sounds so weird, but it like that's just how I've been for the past, I don't know, 10 years probably. Does it remind you of somebody? Something? I want to say that it's connected to, like, when I was little, I would take off my shirt as a kid and say, like, I want to be like my dad. Mm-hmm. And then when I got older, my mom was like, hey, you can't take off your shirt anymore. Yeah, honey. <laughs> that part's <laughs> over now. Uh, mm-hmm. Might not be fair, but it's how we live. So, um, well, yeah. So you're working with a mental health person? Yes. So, I go to two different therapists and then I see a psychiatrist as well. And this is none of my business. So you can, this is none of my business. Everything I've asked you is none of my business. <laughs> so it's a, weird, Ask away. it's a weird thing for me to say, but I often find myself going, this is none of my business. A couple of therapists. So is some of it for the addiction stuff? Is some of it about how you grew up? Or do you have other like mental health concerns that we haven't talked about? So one of them is talk therapy. And that's just like whatever I need to catch up on, whatever I need to work on. We also, with that specific therapist, we do um, dialectical behavioral therapy or dialectic behavioral therapy. And um, I have BPD, so we do that for my BPD. What is that? Bipolar disorder? I have bipolar disorder, and I have borderline personality disorder. Okay. 
how long do you feel like you've had those whole life? Like, I, I mean, I'm sure I've had bipolar my whole life. I just didn't know until I was probably a teenager that it was an issue. Okay. Um, do you think and your then parents, I, do you think your parents have it, had it? I think my dad did. Okay. And then my, neither one of my parents have been diagnosed with any mental health disorders. Okay. And so there's not really a way to pin down where it came from, but bipolar is genetic. How so does, how does it, it had to come. How, how does that impact your life? Like what are the like real repercussions of it? Honestly, it takes over my life. Like it, it controls my life. Okay. For, for swaths of time and then it doesn't, or is it constant? I feel like it's constant, but there will be times where people t- will tell me that I'm doing well mm-hmm. and they can tell and they're proud of me. And like right now in my life for the past couple of weeks, like I've been trying to keep my together for other people and just be there for my friends and be there for my family and do things for our household. And I was folding laundry the other day and I looked at my boyfriend and I started crying and I said, I need you to hold me because I'm about to have him in TV. Yeah. The bipolar has, because of the switching and the splitting with my emotions on different people, it's affected a lot of my relationships. Yeah. And I, before the boyfriend I have now, I could never stay in a committed relationship. I was always running. Mm-hmm. And then the borderline personality disorder, I, I I, believe that it is a symptom of being raised in the household with someone who is a narcissist. And everything's so unstable and moving mm-hmm. around constantly. Yeah, stability is so important for people. Um, wow. Okay. All right, Abby. This is a good time for us to take a breath. <laughs> We've learned a lot. We've only been speaking for an hour. And we've gotten a lot out. Holy crap. You really stuck me for a second there. I didn't see that part coming. Isn't that crazy? I should have, by the way, with the drugs and the alcohol at the young age and your dad was drinking. Like, I should have, like, I'm almost disappointed in myself. I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You are very nice to come on this show and share this. Why the hell are you doing this? Because I want people to know that there's, you know... There's other people like them and there's other people that go through these things. And my, my road has been a hard road, but I feel like I have a purpose and I want to share my story so that people know. Yeah, no, it's excellent. It's really lovely. Um, Seriously. It's not lost on me that the podcast is like, it's, it's, I mean, I could have made a podcast about management. It could be me and Jenny or me talking about diabetes a little bit, but it wouldn't be this robust if it was that. It's people coming on. And I mean, this is the ninth year of this podcast, nine solid years. And I'm pretty close to a thousand episodes. And I tell you right now that on June 30th, 2023, if you said, Scott, I want to be on the podcast, I think I'd have to book you in February next year. Like, so it's those people who I don't, I don't go find like they come find me and we have these amazing conversations about things that generally speaking, people do not talk about, but definitely live with. And um, I don't know. It just feels it's, 
it just feels like I feel grateful that you're willing to do this. Um, it's really cool. Do you use the show for management at all with your diabetes? I've listened to some of the management podcasts and try to implement some of the like advice. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard to make it a habit. See, I find that that's what the Wegovi is doing for me, by the way, mm-hmm. is oh, first and foremost, it's helping me form a healthy habit that I was prior to this not, I don't even want to say able to make. I don't even know that I was aware that I should make it. Like, I didn't know mm-hmm. anything, you know, I think in fairness, I didn't know anything was wrong. Like, I knew mm-hmm. my body didn't seem to work right and that I carried weight that, like, didn't make sense for what I was eating. Like, I thought, you know, um, but I've just had an experience recently where, I mean, I've lost 25 pounds in, I don't know, 16 pens. <laughs> 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 However long that is, right? And... In the beginning, while the weight's falling off, and in fairness, I'm a boy, we seem to lose weight easier. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think everybody's going to lose 25 pounds in the first couple of months. Um, but I was. So I adjusted how I was eating, both, you know, because the medication helped me and because I wanted to. And the weight's coming, the, the number's falling, right? Like, so you're celebrating mm-hmm. the number. You're like, hey, like, like, I don't care to tell you. Like, I was like 233 the first day. And I'm like two, I don't even know what I am to haven't weighed myself yet, but I was 210 yesterday. So I'm like, or 209. So I'm like 25 pounds down and the number's falling. It's falling. It's falling. You're like, I'm winning. I'm winning. The number's going down. I'm winning. And then I hit this like 25 number and I like stood in the mirror and I was like, oh damn, I'm still not in great shape. Like, and I used to tell myself forever, like, I just need to lose 20 pounds. Like, like, it's fine. Like, if I lost 20 pounds, I'd look like, uh, you know, your boyfriend and his bodybuilding guy. And then I lost 20 <laughs> pounds. And I'm like, I am just a smaller version of the mess I was before. Isn't that interesting? Y- you know, and so for me, I thought, well, it felt like motivation. Like, I'll keep going. But, you know, yesterday, I or two days ago, I said to Arden, oh, we're waking up tomorrow before I record the podcast and going for a walk. And then we're going to do it again the next day. And we're going to keep mm-hmm. doing that because this is not enough. Like just losing the weight. It's nice in clothes. Like in clothes, I stand up and I go, I look so much better. And like the, like under my chin is going away, which was the thing that I've hated about my face for like my whole life. So, um, but it's not the whole thing. Like that was like, that was the crazy part. Like I looked in the mirror and I was like, this is not nearly over. Um, right. I thought it was, I thought, oh, 25 pounds. I'm good. Like, yeah, I won. I won. We go like a bell was going to go off or something. I was like, <laughs> I got it. Everybody don't worry. <laughs> like, I think the other piece too, is when I found the podcast, it was recommended by someone. And when I found the podcast, I found the Facebook group too. And I joined the Facebook group, Facebook group. And, uh, when I see people's posts, if I'm like, oh, I've wondered about that too. I'll go look in the comments and though there are comments that I find helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, please. That Facebook group. Like, I hope someone brings that up at my funeral. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, <laughs> like, you know, like when people are like, oh, he was good to the poor. I hope people, I hope people go like, he started a Facebook group. And I'll tell you what, it really helped people. Mm-hmm. That thing is crazy. Like, 
like, yes, the conversations are helpful unless the stories are helpful and blah, blah, blah. But you can be in the Facebook group and not listen to the podcast. And as a matter of fact, it happens and vice, right. vice versa. But there's nothing like it's not it's not group think in a bad way where everybody just gets together and agrees. And now we're all just believing each other's lies. Like it, it's a really interesting place where people come in and add their perspectives and then you end up in every post having enough flavor from different perspectives where you can go, I'm going to, that part seems valuable and that part seems valuable. I'm going to take it over here and make my own thing out of it. Um, yeah. It's amazing. Like I really, and I want to say again, I did not do that on purpose. Like once I started seeing what it was, like I put my effort into it. But mm-hmm. in, the, in the beginning, I was just like, people were like, can you make a Facebook group? And I was like, oh. Like that whole, that Facebook group used to have one rule. It was like, I think it actually said in the rules, uh, don't be an asshole. I'll close this thing down. <laughs> like, like, I, was like, I, I don't want to be involved in this, uh, but I'll do it for you guys if you want. But if anybody turns into a problem, like I'm shutting this off and it's turned into like a thing that I'm actually proud of. So yeah, and there, more and more type twos are coming in every day too. So mm-hmm. um, that's really great. And it's, it's, um. The ecosystem is friendly. Like nobody's like, you have type two, get out of here. It, you know, That's the thing yeah. is you've created a space and you've held space for people with type two. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Feel safe. And it's called juice box podcast type one diabetes because, mm-hmm. and you know why, honestly, because I've learned it doesn't matter what it's called. No. Like it, it's the way the word spreads is what that thing could be called like, you know, Spearmint Rhino. Oh, no, wait, that's a strip club. And why is that in my head? Oh, I know why that's in my head. Not important and not not a dirty story. Just not, I just anyway, it could be called anything. And um, the word would get around and people mm-hmm. and people would find it. And that's that to me, the sign of something that's that that's working. Um, yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, we won't go too much into this, but um. So somebody recommended to this to the podcast to me on a work call. On a on a on a work call. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love where people get like from it from doctors. I met a lady at Costco. Like I love reading the intake forms. I read one yesterday that said uh, my child was just diagnosed with type one diabetes. My neighbor's kid has type one. She told me this is the only Facebook group worth being part of, and I was like, oh, that's nice. really lovely. Yeah, I mean, 40,000 people. And mm-hmm. it grows by 300 people every seven days. So it, the word's out, because you don't, like, you know, you don't publicize a Facebook group. I mean, I guess I could, but it seems like... That seems, you don't have to. It seems greedy, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm already winning. How much yeah. more do I want to win by? Well, you know, now there's a voice in my head saying that you want to win by more. Maybe I need a therapist, too. <laughs> Is there anything we haven't talked about that we should have? Oh, okay. So my other therapist, so I have the one for the talk therapy and um, my second therapist is for EMDR. Oh, I was wondering if you do the rapid eye movement. Does that help? Yes. Yeah. For me, it does. I don't even think I need it. And I'd like to do it after hearing people talk about it. I actually don't do it for, you would think I would do it for my childhood. Um, but I actually do it for an abusive relationship I was in for four years. Wow. Okay. 
Is that a drinking relationship? So we were both drinkers and I, and I didn't stop drinking, but I minimized my drinking while I was in that relationship because I felt like somebody had to be (laughs) sober or somewhat responsible. Well, that's how, you know, you're in trouble when you're like, I'm going to be the responsible one in this situation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, holy hell, Abby. Thank you. For very much. I you have to go to work, right? Uh, I have about 45 minutes left. Oh, you have a little time? Okay. All right. Yeah. Then, then if you have a little more time, let me ask this question. Um, I forgot about the time zone when I said that. What's it like trying to find a good doctor? Any kind. Mental health, Oof. endocrinologist, general practitioner. How many of them I have you been through? I think this varies, but... Like, my endocrinologist, I went in, scheduled the appointment. I've been with them for seven years, have not had any problems. They're literal angels, and I will never go anywhere else. Okay. They, I said they've offered me a pump. They'll do whatever I need to manage my diabetes. At one point, I uh, wanted children, and they said, your diabetes will not hinder your ability to have children. So they are so helpful. My primary, I'm not going back there. Mm. So I'll need to find a new one. I imagine that will probably be a pretty big task. The gastro, that was not hard to find. It was hard to schedule because they don't answer their phone. And if they do, they don't have anything for six weeks. Yeah. And now it's just these follow-ups that I need to get done are going to take forever. Mm-hmm. But that one's rough. Um, mental health, that's a shit show. Yeah. Because, and my 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 boyfriend works in mental health. Um, okay. So I can, I see what it's like, you know, firsthand because I live with someone who does that for a job. But when I was going to a certain um clinic i was not getting great care they didn't really care what was going on with me i ended up in the mental hospital and when i was in the mental hospital they asked me if i wanted to go back to the same physicians or if i wanted to have them schedule new appointments with new physicians mm-hmm. and that you know they didn't do anything right at the mental hospital that was one thing they did right okay um, so they scheduled me with my talk therapist that I see now, the psychiatrist that I previously had. I stopped seeing her, though, because she recommended that I do ketamine treatments for depression. And I'm a recovering addict. I don't feel comfortable with that. Yeah. All of my mental health physicians are in the same office now. Mm-hmm. And they are all of them are pretty great. So I like how things are going right now. But that has been a journey of its own in mental health is finding people that know what I need and know how to do what I need. Yeah. Some competency, not just talk therapy, but like real like dig down stuff. And not that talk Mm therapy is easy to do, but you know, you could. Even the talk therapist like can provide guidance and, and we do the DBT in addition to, but with the talk therapy, he can talk me down from things that I'm spiraling from or Mm -hmm. things that 
somebody else has triggered and they're not for me to hold on to. Yeah. No, that's excellent. But it's, I mean, I'm starting to even see, like, there's one doctor that helps my kids. Um, and they're, they're, I mean, we, we, we give it to our insurance afterwards and it's reimbursed, but it's a cash pay. Like, and it's starting to turn into six, eight weeks to see that person. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, it used to be if you were paying in cash, it happened faster. And now, no, you know, and it's worth the extra. It's worth the extra step because you do have to put the money out. You do, but we get, I mean, honestly, just about ninety percent of it back, so it's not really a problem. Um, but man, that just used to be that used to be like the fast track. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's not even right anymore. Like, there are not enough doctors. And then you find them and they don't know what they're doing half the time or they're not exactly. valuable for you. And and then you still have all these problems. And I think that's the thing that when people seem like they give up, it takes you two months to get an appointment to find out the doctor's not going to be valuable. And now you're back to like, I got to go try to find Fair a different one. doctor. Mm-hmm. I already thought this one was the right one. I wasn't right about that. I have to find another one. I have to wait two more months. Then I, what if I get there and they're like, I don't know, I'm six months into this now. And, and it, that's uh, terrible. I've seen it happen to people along all kinds of disease states. And I mean, it's a real problem. Like the way the system's set up is monkeyed up somehow. It's worse in Canada, by the way, where like if you're not dying, you, you drop to the bottom of the list. And then by the time they get to you. You're dying. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. it, there's something worse is happening. It's really sucks. You want to have kids? So with all you have going on and all I you've witnessed. Now. I was going to say. <laughs> should get a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I have a dog. She's enough. Good enough. <laughs> like, like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, but there is that drive, right? Like you don't. What What made you change your mind about having a baby? My health. Yeah, you just you don't think you really don't think talk about it for a second. But I can tell on your face, you don't think you're going to live forever. Like you, have, no. you think your life is shortened. Yeah. What do you think is going to get you? Honestly, if it's not the diabetes, I think it's going to be cancer from like the food I eat or, you know, something I've put in my body that I shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the I think your body can rebound from the drugs and the alcohol. You're still pretty young. I've seen mm-hmm. people do worse to themselves and and be okay. The food is financial or um, not complete. I think it's a I think it's a mix of financial and like knowledge. Okay. You because don't, you don't know what to buy. Right. All right. Cookies, crackers, white flour. No. Seed oil. No. We're halfway there now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you need oil, cold pressed olive oil, don't cook with anything else. Butter's better than canola, vegetable, blah, blah, blah. Please don't cook mm-hmm. with those oils. Go to coconut oil if you have to, like for little things. That's the only oil that's in my house. Cold pressed olive oil that barely gets touched, maybe just to wet a pan, and coconut oil to make popcorn with. Those are the two things we have in the house. No oil. Did you listen to the episode with uh, Jesse, uh, Glucose Goddess, about the order to eat your food in to lower, lessen glycemic impacts of food? 
No, I haven't heard that one. Listen to that one. I had her on because she was, um, people are asking about her. She's like very popular um, Mm -hmm. online. I get a lot of feedback from people that said they've just reordered their meals, type ones. They reordered their meals and they're seeing less impacts in places. So maybe just that might be easy to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But white flour, noodles, bread, you know, it's not really good for you. You ate, you are, you (laughs) ate once and brought your A1C into the fives. Yeah. Was there nothing in that diet you liked? I mean, there is. There, so... I think the thing about the knowledge now is I have, I have the knowledge of what I am supposed to be eating for me. Okay. But then I have this 6'4 man who's 260-something pounds who is telling me what he needs to eat. And I'm like, mm, maybe. Yeah, tell me don't see, don't get I don't to see the girls again if he eats like that. That's all. <laughs> That's how I'd handle it. You guys, if I was a girl. I'd get a lot accomplished with my boobs. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why you guys aren't doing that more. <laughs> but uh, I would. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's just the, now it's the transition of what meals are we eating together? Because the, all the meals that I can make myself. Right. I know what I'm supposed to eat. But then we're eating together and I'm like, mm, he left those noodles in there and I don't really want those to go to waste. So I'm going to eat them. So when it's in front of you, you'll eat it. If you don't have it, you'll avoid it. Right. I relate to that statement. Um, if I if I live by myself, this house would have like some eggs in it, like a couple, maybe like a head of romaine lettuce and some like, I don't know, rice crackers if I wanted to get crazy. Like, I'm uh, yeah. huge on salads. Yeah. I love salads. And salads that are like full of like all the toppings. Yeah. I love salads. So it would be malpractice for me as a podcaster not to bring this up. Mm-hmm. You you are saying there's no way you can live longer because of the way you eat, but then also saying that you are knowingly eating that way. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think you can do it. I think if you can stay straight for 16 months and you can hammer your way through the relationship you had with your parents and are talking to your mom again and it's and it's good and you could make it through breaking the axle in your car and coming back getting yourself back together again i don't see why you can't skip pasta i'm gonna tell you the other big thing okay i am huge on helping other people taking care of other people um i have a really big family as far as like how close we are. There's 13 of us. We're super close, super tight knit. I have younger cousins who I'm very involved with, but if I'm taking care of other people and helping with other things, I'm not going to take care of myself. I'm going to put that on the back burner. Yes, that happens to people, but it's all. And I'm working on that. I'm working on that. You know, it's also a comfortable excuse, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's not like I don't do it because I don't care or I don't do it because I'm crazy. It's I don't do it, but it's because I'm doing something very important otherwise. Yeah. Like, that's that's the excuse, you know. When I was um, folding the laundry and crying the other night, I told my boyfriend, like, it's just so hard to have all of these moving parts and to still 
you know, take care of things at home and take care of me and take care of the dog and take care of you and take care of everybody else. I use a sliding priority schedule, which is not a thing that I'm going to generalize here. Not a thing I see (laughs) ladies doing very often. I see ladies making lists in my life and whatever got to be number one always stays number one. Even if number five suddenly became more important, when number five becomes very important, instead of moving five to one, they go, well, now I got to get done one, two, three, and four so I can get to five. Does that sound like how your brain works? Yeah, I do that. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. (laughs) You want to know why boys look so carefree? (laughs) This is one of the reasons, okay? Mm-hmm. If one was very important on Monday, but five's more important today, five is one. That's it. I know that sounds ultra simple, but it you're mm-hmm. you're you have too much to do. We yeah. all we all have too much to do, right? Mm-hmm. In a modern society, we're all doing way too much. And that's not gonna change. Like it's easy to sit around and go, we should do less. Well, okay, great. That's not gonna happen. Um so like so when that's not gonna happen, sliding priorities. That's it. Mm-hmm. My priority, and for me, for you, my health is first, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, eating is one and one A, one B. So the foods I choose, my overall health, mental and physical, your relationships, because I think you need strong relationships if you're going to be able to keep up with your sobriety, your sobriety's up in there. And then the rest is nice, nice to have, right? And yeah. you said it so casually earlier, like we had what we needed and most of what we wanted. I, mm-hmm. I thought that was a very healthy like statement. And I grew up broke. I know what you mean. Like, I, and so, yeah, to me, it's all about it's about reprioritizing. Like, instead of looking and going, "Oh my God, number five just became really important," but I already wasn't getting done the laundry. Like, yeah. I got to fold the laundry. take the laundry and push it in a push it in a corner, and then do it tomorrow. That's it. That's what I got for you. The uh, the other thing is I've never I've never been one to ask for help, and with um, like trying to be you know taking care of myself and trying to be healthier and trying to be in healthier relationships. I uh, was talking to my mom the other day and I told her about all this stuff that was going on. And she said she doesn't have a job right now, and she said, "Well, I have time." And she offered to come over. And so she's coming over tonight and she's going to help me clean. Nice. Don't let her cook. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we saw what you did in the kitchen. You're, you're good. Clean something. <laughs> <laughs> Go get me some more of that free lettuce. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but stay out of the kitchen, please. Well, that, see, that's terrific. Like, that's really great. Like, just uh, do that. Like, don't take advantage mm-hmm. of your mom. But, like, you know, yeah. ask, like, continue to do that. Ask your boyfriend for help um, at work. You know, there's so much of people taking on, they just keep taking on more work and, and now work just feels like it never ends. Do you work out of your home? Yeah. Yeah. That's take it from somebody who's been doing that for longer than COVID. You you know what I mean? It's tough because there are times at the end of the day, you're like, well, it's nine o'clock. I'm not tired, but I could go edit a podcast. And now I'm like just making this podcast constantly. I got into a, like, a little rut yesterday. You know Isabel from the Facebook group? Mm-hmm. I texted her yesterday and I said, I need someone to edit this show for me. <laughs> I was like, I am stuck in a loop. I want an editor. I desperately don't want to work with an editor. 
and I can't pay an editor. <laughs> but I like, like I just thought about if if I could move this one thing off of my plate, mm-hmm. how it would expand my life personally, and how I'd be able to put more effort into a lot of stuff for the podcast and grow other ideas that I have for people. And yeah. it's this one thing, it's the editing that's holding me back. Like, it just is. Because, like, you and I are talking for an hour and a half, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to edit this. It's an hour and a half. So now your conversation is a three-hour conversation. And then it has to be prepared. And I have to, like, I have to do the thing where I sit down and I go, I guess. <clears throat> this episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored. And I got to do all that, right? And, like, so I do that stuff. And then they editing together. And that happens every day. So, yeah. like, I never stopped doing that. And then she's like, get an editor. And I was like, I don't want somebody to screw my podcast up. <laughs> so, <laughs> something's got to give. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I love that you had your mom over to help you out. That's really nice. Well, mm-hmm. maybe you could make something good for her to eat and you guys could both feel better. Yep. Yeah. Abby, <laughs> I really appreciate you doing this with me. Thank you very much. Absolutely. I, um, I had a, a lovely time. And um, I over and above appreciate that you came on as a type two. So it's hard to, hard to get more type twos. I try really hard. I get them sometimes. Um, but your story is going to fit right in with the other ones. So I appreciate it very much. Thank you. No shame in my game. I was actually told at one point that I was type one and a half at 15. Probably. I think I was 20 when they said this. Okay. They thought you had because, Because of my diagnosis being when I was 15. Did you get but nobody? Um, did you do the testing, the C peptide testing? No. No. They just used common sense when you didn't die without insulin eventually? Yeah, yeah, yeah I gotcha. Um, <laughs> and, and your father had type 2, and everybody you've ever looked at has type 2. And it's, yeah. it, it's, not, it's not wrong for me to say that, like, in a, from your background, type 2 is stronger as well, right? Yeah. It's food. It really is, Abby. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Indian culture too. Um, a lot of type two. Like it's it's just it's the food you're eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, don't get chips and an Arizona iced tea, but go get something different. <laughs> okay. Well, first, a huge thank you to Abby for coming on the show and sharing such a personal story. I also want to thank. Dexcom, makers of the Dexcom G6 and G7 continuous glucose monitoring systems. Get yours right now at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N. Dot com forward slash juice box. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the juice box podcast. If you have type two or pre-diabetes, the type two diabetes pro tip series from the juice box podcast is exactly what you're looking for. Do you have a friend or a family member who is struggling to understand their type two and how to manage it? This series is for them seven episodes to get you on track and up to speed. Episode 860, series intro. 864, guilt and shame. Episode 869, medical team. 874, fueling plan. 
Episode 880, Diabetes Technology. Episode 885, GLP-1s, Metformin, and Insulin. And in Episode 889, we talk about movement. This episode is with me and Jenny Smith. Of course, you know Jenny is a certified diabetes care and education specialist. She's a registered and licensed dietitian, and Jenny has had type 1 diabetes for over 30 years. Too many people don't understand their type 2 diabetes, and this series aims to fix that. Share it with a friend or get started today.